Hello and welcome to week 11 of the Punt Return Podcast. I'm Josh Wye, as always, joined by Nick Splitter and James Rosewarn. Boys, how are we doing, Nick? What's going on? Yeah, good, mate. It's a really tough week of, of football to, to look at. It's starting to get down to uh, crunch time, isn't it, uh, James? Yeah, it's really exciting. Like, we're building up races all over the place, the divisions, the conferences, different teams emerging. It's very exciting. Exactly. And, you know, it's one of those weeks last week when just when you think you have everything figured out, the NFL throws these these curveballs. And sometimes I think the more you actually know about the NFL, the less you actually know, you know? So, yeah, three, one and seven teams won for crying out loud last week. So, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those leagues that makes the NFL so fun and also so frustrating at the same time. And speaking of frustrating, our lock of the week, uh, the LA Rams minus three went down in, in the almighty of, of flames. Um, and, and it's a good, good week for the model. The man lost to the machine, uh, there, the model loved the Steelers and, uh, our lock. Not so much. So we're six, three, and one now on the season on lock of the week. So I'm, I'm a lot more confident um, in this week. But let's uh, let's go to long shots. Uh, Nick, how did you do on long shots last week? Uh, yeah, fifty fifty. McCaffrey let me down. I had him at uh, 115, 125, and and he was a bit short. Yeah, uh, Hollywood Brown though. Yeah, Holly, Hollywood Brown though hit his line of seventy six uh, receiving yards and hit that at two dollars ten. So can't complain. Yeah, exactly. Um, so CMC and Aaron Jones, I went with the combined rushing prop that you can get at some places there. 200 plus rushing yards combined. You know what they finished on? 201 yards. Um, that was that last goal line run with McCaffrey fell, uh, quite funnily and a yard short of the, uh, touchdown line, uh, to, to score that, but it was one yard enough to, uh, to get the prop over the line. So, uh, it's a, it's another long shot win. I think that's three now for me. On the year, and James, your long shot, the Colts division price took a massive hit, losing, yeah. to, losing to the Dolphins. I don't know who's in more pain, you or me, with that Well, Dolphins that's what I was going to say. I've probably got a little bit of the financial hit, but you might have the emotional hit there, yeah. Josh. I mean, yeah. it's okay being – as long as we were the first team to lose to the Dolphins, I can take it, you know? Like, uh, so it's it's okay. Um, yeah, we weren't the Jets, thankfully. Um, but, you know. You know, shit happens. So, yeah, it's fine. Um, best bets results. I went two and one. My two totals uh, hit Tampa Bay and Arizona went over. Um, and then LA and Pittsburgh went well under. Um, and then Andy Reid kind of blew it for me um, for the perfect week. And I'll get to that in a little bit in the most Andy Reid, old vintage Andy Reid there. So I'm 18, nine and one on the year. Nick also went two and one as well, mate. Two and one. The two totals hit again. It was, yep. that was nice because I haven't had many totals this year, but yeah. Saquon Barkley, what? What happened? How 13, 13 carries for one yard? How yeah. does that happen? I told you the unders. Yeah, lob, you did. It lobbed by you... eighty-seven yards. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, you win this round. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> Lucky you weren't points betting me. Otherwise, it could have got real ugly. <laughs> yeah, it could have been really ugly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I I don't know. And uh, it's that Jets run D, and we'll, we'll, again, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, and then James. Mm. Uh, one and two last week. Arizona plus four and a half. Uh, the lone winner. Both are LA teams letting you down. Uh, you know the the Chargers went close, but uh, was one of those shootout sort of NFC AFC West games. Rams were just profoundly disappointing. That was yeah. one of my sort of favorite picks of the year, mm. and that's probably their season sunk as well. At the same time, Steelers' yeah. defense sort of just didn't refuse refuse to bend, mm. and the Rams produced three points on offense yeah, exactly. for the game. Well, was, uh, and, and, we also, 
we had to twist your arm for that one too, Josh. So I know, you can I know. probably you can probably claim that one is not not entirely your fault. Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. It's okay. But uh, let's talk away. Let's talk biggest takeaways from week ten before we jump straight in to week eleven. For me, it's the narrative on quarterback wins with a Z. Um, it needs to stop. Like, please stop. I mean, everyone heralding Russell Wilson for that game on the weekend. I mean, how many times? Ninety nine percent. Ninety nine out of a hundred times, you throw an interception in overtime, you're done. You are over. Um, and to get three attempts in overtime to win a game, and because he won, it's like, oh, it's Russell, it's the Russell Wilson show. No other quarterback can carry a team like Russell Wilson. Uh, it, it just drives me insane. Uh, it just needs to stop. I mean, Matt Ryan didn't even get a possession in the Super Bowl in overtime. Aaron Rodgers, I think, twice in a playoff game, hasn't even got the ball in overtime. Um, we need to stop with this, uh, with this narrative on, on quarterback wins. He played the same regardless of a win or, or a lose, or, or a tie for that matter. Um, I just think we need to settle down on the whole wins argument. I feel like MVP odds were changing in play because of the result of a game rather than the actions of a player. I think it, it comes to how even NFL rosters at the moment, like you look at, at you know the best team in the competition, the quarterback, Tom Brady, who has been elite in the past, is not an elite quarterback he's, anymore. Yeah, he's literally um, been like league average. If you check everything, he's in that exactly. 13 to 18 quarterback range in terms of rankings across the board. It, exactly. And and I think the, the whole QB wins metric is just an inaccurate way of looking at, at NFL analytics at the moment. Yeah. I just think it's it's silly. Obviously, quarterback plays a major role in a win. I understand that. But there's three facets of a game. I mean, the quarterback only controls so much, even on offense, let alone what's happening on defense and special teams. Mm. Uh, I just think it's just crazy the, the way that we uplift or, or, or smash a quarterback because of a team win or loss. I just I know this is like a prehistoric take, but it just seemed to be put on a on a on a real mountain um, after that uh, overtime game between, which was a cracking game, by the way. Um, which comes back to Nick's uh, take last week. How good's the NFL? I mean, you weren't wrong. Yeah, I mean, no, no nail was, on the head, out was, on the limb there. It was, at, at it was the perfect. It was the perfect takeaway. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it comes down to to my my uh, takeaway for this week as well. In that, you know, we, we talk about Russ and and Lamar Jackson, McCaffrey, Deshaun Watson. Um, there are so many players who are pleading their case for MVP this this year, and I don't remember a time. Where at week eleven, week twelve, kind of you know, past halfway, where there's four, if not five or six, legitimate challenges for, for the MVP. Mm. Um, and, and same with, with the Super Bowl. I mean, obviously that the Pats are the number one team in the competition, um, but outside of them, there's there's another five or six really strong challenges yep. uh, that on on their day can win. And you know, it, it, it is the most even competition that I can remember in a long time. Yeah, the NFC especially is is wide open. Um, it's it is crazy. So speaking of the NFC, I think that's James's major takeaway in Week Ten. Yeah, both of those points in terms of quarterbacks and just sort of the depth of competitiveness speak to the Seahawks. Now we're not going to get a chance to speak about the Seahawks in our actual game section because they've got the bye week this week. But I liked them from the start of the year, and there's no reason to jump off now. Like. Oh. I guess I could sort of wax lyrically about why I think they're sort of looking great, but I'll, I'll throw it back to you guys. Can the Seahawks win the Super Bowl? I mean, are they? Am I crazy to think that that nine dollar price about them winning the NFC is probably one of the best futures floating around at the moment? The defense is clicking, Clowney's firing, Jack Griffin's looking like he's in Pro Bowl form. Bobby Wagner remains an elite linebacker. This is saying nothing about Russell Wilson either, who's probably the best quarterback in the league at the moment. So. 
for me, this is this is a really good squad rounding in a form while the 49ers are kind of getting wobbly, half a game off the off the lead as well in the conference from I, number one seed. I need to see more from the defense. Um, I know they played good, sure. but um, I yeah. don't know if that's just Jimmy Garoppolo being Jimmy Garoppolo. Plus, a couple of those takeaways were were in the hands of a receiver and they were dropped and tipped and, and things like that. So I need to see a little bit more from their defense. I still think their defense has some obvious flaws. If Clowney plays like that every week, then definitely, I think because he just helps the coverage so much by by uh, having that pressure. Um, but Ziggy Ansa remains one of the most free agent busts of the year um, for me. So they but, need something on the other side of, of Clowney, though, rushing the passer for me. Can Jaren, and that could be Jaron Reed. Like, yep. he's come, come back into the team, four straight starts now, yep. really disruptive force. Even that Clowney touchdown, the defensive touchdown, that was all Jaron Reed up the middle. It was. It was. Like, it was very Grady, very Grady Jarrett-like uh, yeah, from, from Jarrett. Yeah, really scary. This big, yep. big kid out of Alabama, second-round pick, who's yep. had off-field he's, issues. He's a good player. He, he's huge, and, and, yeah. and exactly what that's going to allow on the edge as well for Seattle. I don't know. I'm, I'm just excited. What about yeah. you, Nick, in terms of Seattle? How how high is your ceiling there? I, I agree with both of you guys. I, I think that, that they can absolutely win the Super Bowl. I think they can absolutely win the conference. Um, but I think they need to keep improving on defense. I think the addition of, of Clowney has almost transformed them but they've got to keep that up in the second half of the season and they've got to keep getting better and stronger because there is a weakness there, especially in the secondary, I think. Mm. Um, and, and they need to, they need to, I guess, fill some of those gaps, I think, and, and stop, stop opposition from putting as much, as many points up on them as, as they have been. Um, but they're certainly, they're certainly in that group of challenges. Absolutely. The, the last thing on that Seattle defense is it, it's not as though we're not, we're talking about a unit without talent. And thankfully the talent is there uh, not just with Clowney, as we've said as well. Like, I'm really excited as well. It's like Shaq Barrett is, I know I said Pro Bowl. We could be talking all pro form. I think I was checking before. Uh, Shaq six, Griffin or Shaq? Shaq, Shaq Griffin, excuse Sorry. me. Shaq Barrett's your boy at, um. Yeah, Tampa. Tampa. No, uh, yeah, Shaq Griffin in terms of, we, we might be talking all pro this season. I Big think he's call. a fi- 55 QB rating when targeted mm, as well. Massive. Um, also under, so, also overlooked. We need to, we need to know more about Tyler Lockett's injury. I know they have acquired Josh yeah. Gordon, but Tyler Lockett was playing like a top five wide receiver in the NFL. Yeah. If they eliminate him, that's a massive, massive loss for their offense because him and Russ just have this unheralded connection that I don't think many have. And we saw on a couple of plays, um, DK Metcalf can't turn. When he catches the ball, he just runs straight. Um, he can't, there was a few times where he, all he had to do was turn and get a first down and he couldn't. He ran just into a player instead um so that's something to watch i think i think we're i think we probably all agree that we're past the days of talking about josh gordon as an elite pass catching option but yeah. um i think that he gives them another option mm-hmm. on offense that you know they're not only targeting those two that, that you mentioned lockett and yep. and metcalf and it gives them another option and he's going to be good he doesn't have to be elite he just has yep. to be good yep. um to, to make sure that they can't only cover Lockett all the time. I almost see him as a tight end these days, like a, a non-blocking tight end. So he's a lot bigger. He's not doing the big, deep routes. Hasn't got the speed that he used to have. But across the middle, he's a huge option for them, yep. which Seattle are down to like fifth string tight end as well. Yeah, so exactly. Could really help. Uh, so we'll wait and see. Uh, no one better on a slant route though, Josh Gordon. Uh, but let's get uh, straight into week 11. Packers, Giants, Seahawks and Titans on the bye. Uh, Thursday night football, Pittsburgh at Cleveland. Ugh, Cleveland again in primetime, please. Cleveland minus three, total is 40. 
Um, I'll kick start us here. This Steelers defense has been, you know, something else these past six weeks. Uh, they're now number three in DVOA defense and they're exceptionally balanced. Fourth against the pass, 11th versus the run. Um, they defended their home turf and didn't allow a single offensive touchdown to a, to a Rams team averaging 25 points per game. Um, I am here the Pittsburgh offense though under Mason Rudolph here. So five point yards, 5.0 yards per play against a schedule of defenses that have allowed 5.6 on the season. So he's 11% worse than the opponent average. 29 first down percentage per play versus the schedule of defenses they face is, is again, 8% worse than the opponent average. Um, he's had 11 turnovers while their defenses has 23 takeaways. Um, and he has a 41% success rate, which is 29th in the NFL. So they're going to eventually need him to win them a game or two. I just don't think that he can. Um, I just, I'm just not sure. Um, but while this defense is firing on all cylinders and against the Browns team that's, I think, 27th in offensive efficiency this, this year, now that this number's hit, uh, plus three, I'm going to take the Steelers plus three here. Um, at the two and a half, I'm out, but now that it's hit that three number, I'm, I'm taking the Steelers. Um, I think even on the road, it's, it's still a great defense. Minka Fitzpatrick has been, um, absolutely amazing, but, uh, yeah, I'm going to take the Steelers here. I do want to see more from the Browns. I know they had a win last week, but it was an ugly win. I need to see something from them in the red zone. I still don't believe in Mason Rudolph, but I'm going to take the Steelers. What have you got for us, James? Steelers for me too, and it's all about this defense, which has just emerged over the last sort of six or seven weeks and become what a top three, four unit in the NFL. Lead the um, competition with 71 quarterback hits this season. So I'd hate to think what that, that's going to do to the Cleveland Browns offensive line. Not only that, first round rookie Devin Bush leads the team in tackles, so that's a great first round pick for the Steelers. And guys, they might have two defensive player of the year candidates on this team in TJ Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick. Watley, uh, 22 quarterback hits and nine and a half sacks. Minka Fitzpatrick, that is one of the trades of the year. He's absolutely transformed that team, an absolute menace in the secondary. And this all for me adds up to yeah, a, not a nice situation for Cleveland. And four points for Mike Tomlin because this team was dead and buried. And this is what an infrastructure is all about. So full credit to Pittsburgh. This is, um, it's, it's a really intriguing matchup, even though it's, it's kind of a really unattractive Thursday night football match, uh, especially in terms of offense. Yeah. Both of you've kind of spoken about the Steelers D. They've been off the charts good over the last month and a half, two months. Um, they're ranked third in weighted DVOA, which, which kind of talks through the recency, um, rather than the full, the full season DVOA. Um, behind only New England and, and San Francisco. As, as you said, James, Minka Fitzpatrick looks like a steal at, at the moment. I think we were all a bit concerned as to what, what the Steelers were doing when they made that trade in, in the first place, but mm. um, it looks like an absolute steal. Uh, and he's going to be really important against the, the Browns' offense with you know Mayfield, Beckham Jr. and, and Landry. Obviously, they love throwing, you know, airing the ball out and, and throwing it. Um, I'm just not sure on their current form, how they're going to put up enough points to beat Pittsburgh in their defensive form. Um, Cleveland are ranked 24th in, in offensive DVOA. They're really going to need Nick Chubb to have a big game on the ground because, the, you know, like, like we've all said, the Steelers' defense will do everything possible to stop the ball in the air. So uh, really, like I said, really intriguing matchup, but uh, not one that I can touch from a betting perspective. No, definitely not. I, I kind of lean under. It feels like it's just going to be a scrappy, traditional, old-school uh, division game here, I think, where you, you might see it sort of like a 
you know, 19 to 17 win or 20 to 17 win or 17, 14 mm. win, something like that. Um, so low scoring, kind of a grit fest, a lot of running. Interesting to see how yep. they get Kareem Hunt involved as well. They got him a lot in the passing game. I wonder if they're going to use him a little bit more in the run game now that he's got his first game um, back from that suspension So for the Browns. So definitely one to watch there. Any final thoughts on that game, guys? No. No? All right, let's move on. Atlanta at Carolina. Carolina minus 5.5. The total is 49.5. Nick, start us off here. What have you got? Another, another really interesting matchup. The Atlanta Falcons were completely different last week against the Saints from what they've shown all year on, on defense. Six sacks on Drew Brees. They didn't concede a touchdown. In New Orleans, it, that was a great effort. Can they keep it up? I I think probably not on just on, on the season's output so far. Devonna Freeman's out. Austin Hooper's out. Matt Ryan is banged up and possibly out. Uh, so much of, of this match is going to come down to which Falcons defensive unit turns up. Is it the one that played last week or is it the one that played the eight or nine weeks prior. I just think that the Panthers are going to have too much firepower at home. You know, out in the opening, the elements, um, yep. McCaffrey, Moore, Samuel, that's a pretty good one, two, three punch if the, the Falcons D regresses back to the, the norm. So I'm, I'm leaning Carolina minus five and a half. And, uh, I quite like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Um, so last week was the first time since 2001 that a team on a losing streak of at least six games beat a team on a winning streak of at least six games. So the Falcons win last week wasn't a complete shock to me, but for me it was, it was how they won and you touched on it. You know, if they, if they won, I was expecting a shootout, a sort of a Matt Ryan, mm. Drew Brees duel. That, that's what I was expecting. Yeah. Not for them to, um, hold New Orleans without a touchdown at home. That's the first time that's happened to Breeze under center since 2006. Um, and as you said, the six, six sacks nearly matched their league low total of seven sacks on the entire year. And that's against a, a Saints O-line that's many consider sort of a top three, top five unit. Like it was, it was as impressive as a win as you could see from the Falcons. Um, whether they regress, I don't know if they're going to regress all the way back to their first sort of eight games. I feel like the, they're somewhere in the middle there. They're not going to be this good again next week, especially outdoors, because the Superdome is very similar to where they play at home. Um, so now they're out in the elements. And look, the Panthers off a loss, didn't cover. Atlanta covered. You're getting a lot of value here with the minus five and a half. And sure, the Panthers lost by eight, but they had it was a bit misleading. They had two trips inside the Packers' 11-yard line that resulted in zero points. Um, and that's two games now for Carolina where they've been stopped on the one with McCaffrey as a, as time expires. They did it against Tampa Bay in Thursday Night Football, and they did it there in Green Bay. Um, the Tampa one would have given them the win. This would have given them the chance to tie. How would we see Carolina if they had two extra wins instead of losses? I feel like things would be so much different with Carolina and, and what their perception is if those two um, resulted in wins. And that's just two yards. It's, it, it is quite crazy how close the NFL can be and you know, how, you know, two plays could change your entire season. So I do think Carolina back at home here, especially with Freeman and Hooper out. Um, I agree with you, Jan- uh, Nick. I'm going with uh, minus five and a half. What have you got, James? Are you on board? Yeah, I guess I am. I'm, I'm just thinking in terms of this, this is the season again on the line for Carolina. It's a must win to stay in playoff contention. Those are really good points about sort of leaving wins on the board by a yard, right? But yep. they do have two more games on the schedule against New Orleans. So if they can hang and stay in that two-game gap, they're still even in with a division chance. Now, DJ Moore's starting to explode as well, back-to-back 100 game, uh, rushing, uh, receiving yards, which is which is huge for them. Because yep. when we think of Carolina's offense, we think of it, of it all being Christian McCaffrey, which is true from a rushing perspective. He's, he's, 
He's um, 83.16% of all of Carolina's rushing, which is mm. speaks to Cam Newton not being available as well. But it's yep. very one-dimensional. One thing Atlanta can do amidst a season from hell is stop the run. Their top 10 DVOA rushing defense and, and gave up just 52 on the ground last week against the Saints. So, mm. look, that might come into play from a handicap perspective. But just from a, from a money line win perspective, just Carolina have to get it done and have to stay in contention. They've blown those two chances against the Packers and 49ers to make statement wins. This is when they just have to get business done. Yep. Uh, Atlanta, 31st in pass DVOA defense. So, you know, if, if there are rumors that Carolina's being, uh, Cam Newton's being shopped around by Carolina, if Kyle Allen wants to prove a point here that he is a yeah. starting quarterback in the NFL and Carolina's starting quarterback in the NFL, he uh, has to carry them here. He has to put them on their yeah. shoulders and lead them to victory here. Um, you can't just mm-hmm. keep, ha- you know, handing it off to McCaffrey works. Um, but eventually you're going to face a team that can slow him down and he's going to have to get that win. Um, which, which comes into my – sorry to jump in yeah, there, Josh, but no. it comes into a point later that we're going to – well, I'm going to make as well about Garoppolo in San Francisco. It's all well and good when you have that ground attack. That's all great. And this yeah. is the whole argument against it. But you, there's sometimes – there's times that you have to put it through the air and win it yeah. with your arm. Good. You're going to come and come to better defenses, and that's the Kyle Allen question here, isn't it? Exactly. Good teams adapt. That's why the Pats yeah. – Pats, totally. Every Pats team's different the way they win every year. It's a different thing that they do yep. good. Um, so, and it's also concern about Minnesota. But again, we'll come to that later yep, as well. Exactly. Uh, Buffalo minus five and a half at Miami. The total is forty-one. I'm leaning Miami plus six here. Um, this is a lot of points to lay for a Bills team that hasn't been good on offense going on the road to play a team that's now five and zero against the spread in their last five games. They're on a streak. They're they're hot down south in Miami. Um, they also have the baddest MFer on the planet in uh, Jorge Masvidal in Miami as well. So things going good for Miami. Um, but Miami have been very much much improved on defense um, lately. I think that's something that's worth noting. Obviously, Ryan Fitzpatrick has given them a lot more on offense than Josh Rosen. As, as sad as that is for me to say, as a Josh Rosen truther, unfortunately, just it's just not working out for him. I feel bad, but. Uh, they should be able to slow down a Buffalo offense. It's 25th in DVOA, 26th in points per drive. Um, and this this first game between the two, it was a little bit inflated because um, Buffalo did get a, uh, a a kick return touchdown off an onside kick late in that game that kind of pushed it out a little bit. Um, before that, it was a three-point game in Buffalo. Miami are better at home. I'm leaning the, the plus six. Um, I think it's sort of five and a half at some places, six at other places. I'll take the plus six. Yeah, I think the I think we can completely discount the the previous uh, matchup just because you know we were right in the middle of the Dolphins' worst period in history, um, and I, I think it's kind of irrelevant to to how they're playing now. Um, I, I'm completely uninterested in, in the Bills line or the Dolphins line. I think um, I, I'm not confident that either of those teams can score points when when it matters. The Dolphins know now after the last couple of weeks that they can spring a surprise. You know, they've done it twice in a row. But I just can't see points in this one. Combined score average between the two teams is 32 and a half. So I, I really like the, the under 41. And if that comes out even an extra point or two, I, I'd like it even more. So I think uh, I'd probably go pretty hard at that that uh, total. Okay. Um, I had to Google Jorge Masvidal because I thought you might have been talking about a, um, a special teamer or something. There oh, no. Nah. UFC. UFC. Yeah, that, that's what came up. Yeah. He, ha- he has <laughs> the uh, record for the fastest knockout ever. He, had f- he knocked a guy out in four seconds. He's, yeah. Gee whiz. Yeah, he's good. He's good. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, and 35 as well. So that, that's, that's interesting yep. to be in that top athletic form at that age. Yeah. Well, I mean, put him on special teams and see how he goes. I, I think he'd, he'd destroy the Bills. Um, <laughs> kind of punk coverage. Exactly. Amazing, Before you start, James, I will mention like, uh, Nick touched on, you know, this was the last time they played was sort of, um, when Miami were, were really, really bad. I feel like the second half was kind of the start of how they started to play, um, and started to go on that streak. You know, they, they, they had a really good second half, and they their defense kept things interesting, and they they got on a little bit of an offensive roll here, and then obviously that kick return touchdown hurt them um, in the end. But I feel like this this kind of kick started their uh, little run, so it'd be nice for them to to cap off maybe the outright win here to to put a cherry on top of this little run that they've been on. Oh, I, I certainly think that's that's possible. I just don't yeah. trust either team. Yeah, definitely. In that regard, yeah. I think I've probably been been the longest coming in terms of seeing how fault, how sort of vulnerable this Buffalo team actually is. Um, mm. Look, this is a team that scored less than 20 points in more games than they've scored more than 20 points, which speaks to that 25th offensive DVOA number that they're all about. Yep. Not excited about the running game, not excited about Josh Allen. The receiving core is old and limited. Um, but like the Panthers, they're still alive and they're still in this playoff hunt. And this is a must win because after this, they've still got Dallas, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and New England still on the docket. So there's no margin for error here. If they lose to Miami, it's it's good night. Yeah. Play spoiler Miami. I love it. Just mix. <laughs> I don't want to watch Buffalo in the playoffs. Let's go Miami. Win yeah, this. That's a good point. <laughs> win that's this. Point. Come on, let's go. I'd rather see Oakland or uh, Pittsburgh even with that defense. Um, even though Mason Rudolph might be even worse than Josh Allen at this point, but you know. Bit of sauce, bit of fire from from Pittsburgh. I don't know. All right, Denver at Miami uh, at Minnesota. Sorry, ten and a half favorites, uh, point favorites. The Minnesota Vikings at home. The total is forty and a half. I might start with with Nick because I feel like he's going to be brief on this, and then we'll go to Japes. Yeah, really short. It's again another really intriguing matchup from a football perspective, but not so much from a betting perspective. I I really don't like any of these markets. It's a pass from me. <laughs> what have you got for us, uh, James? Yeah, I actually quite like Denver here. I think this defense is really warming up in recent times. They've given up just 15 points on average over the last five games, which 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 speaks to why they're uh, number six total DVOA defense. So mm. Von Miller and the boys are starting to really warm up. And my big question is, is Minnesota the team to actually exploit that? Uh, I'm, I'm not too sure about that. In their last five games against top eight DVOA teams, they've lost them all. So this is when Cousins comes up against a really sophisticated and aggressive defense, can't really fight through it, and probably not even a Cousins thing. Might be a whole play calling situation there. Yep. Yeah, they'll probably win, but ten and a half against a really good D. Yeah, not sure at all about that. Yeah, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. I'm leaning Denver plus ten and a half, um, but I'm probably going to go to the under forty a half in instead, uh, just because I just don't want to bet against Minnesota at home this season. I feel like mm. they probably have one of the best home and away splits in the NFL. I just think they're so much better at home. Um, Dallas are, are probably the first good team that Kirk Cousins has, has has beat. And again, this quarterback wins thing, if if Dallas maybe mix up their play calling, then the Cowboys win that game. So yeah. um, again, that's just out of question. And I agree with you about whether whether it's Cousins or the play calling or, or what. I feel like Fangio dials things up enough and, and changes things up enough to really confuse Kirk Cousins. He's he's not an elite quarterback that can make those changes at the line of scrimmage that Peyton Manning or, or Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers is capable of. Um, he's a guy that needs, you know, it's it's a lot of first or second read stuff or play action. 
um, in terms of the way that he rolls. So everything needs to be working around Kirk Cousins for him to really fire um, on all cylinders. But I agree. I think I lean Denver because I'm not expecting a lot of points in this game. And that's why I'm going under 40, 40 and a half. And then 10 and a half, when you're expecting under 40 points, you kind of just have to lean that way because it would be silly not to just because they're so correlated. But yeah, both both these DVOA defenses rank in the top eight. The Vikings offense, they'll run, 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 and run. Um, they're 32nd in pass attempts. That normally leans towards an under, and this historically is a great under spot for the Vikings as they're 10-1 and one since 2007 um, when they're favored by double digits at home, and the one miss was by a half a point. So um, it's just a good spot here for the under. Um, but I agree with uh, with James. I think Denver plus 10.5. Um, that was my best play on my numbers this week, but it's like goes against every fiber of my rules this year in terms of picking against Minnesota at home. So um, I'm at a crossroads. I'll probably make a decision late on Sunday. <laughs> um, but, yeah, um, let's move on. Houston at Baltimore. Uh, Houston, uh, uh, sorry, Baltimore, minus 4.5 at home. Jeez, can't even read now. It's been a long season. Uh, minus 4.5 <laughs> at home. The total is 49.5. I like two things in this. I like both Baltimore minus four and a half, and I like over 49 here. The Texans offense ranked fourth in the NFL in total yards, rushing yards, and they haven't been held under 23 points since their week four loss at Carolina. And while Houston sort of boasts that number six ranked rushing defense, a lot of, a lot of that was done with JJ Watt on the field. And look, this Ravens running game is, a, it is an entirely different beast to stop than any other traditional running game. Having Lamar Jackson there and his presence there creates so much. They just do so so many things right in the running game that opens up holes, not only for Lamar, but for their running backs as well. So this is a totally different thing. I feel like if you looked at um, DVOA, or not even DVOA, just rushing yards allowed on teams that have played the Ravens and, and teams that haven't, I feel like it would be a lot of difference because I just think that's just... Such an elite system that they've got there with this running game. So I do I do expect Baltimore to put up points. I definitely think even through the air as well, um, Lamar Jackson will be able to get it done against this this terrible defense. They they picked up Vernon Hargraves to solve the answer. I don't think that's going to work for them. Uh, Marcus Peters' stats in his three games since he joined the Ravens: twenty one targets, only eleven catches, nine and a half yards per catch, two pick sixes, um, and two pass breaks up breakups as well. Um, so the Ravens' defense has, has been much improved, not just because of his acquisition, but because they got some players back. Jimmy Smith, um, James Alunoswa, I can't, I think I pronounced that right. Their middle linebacker, um, he's a he's a solid player, um, and it kind of helps that drop off from CJ Mosley. I think Baltimore's you know weighted defense now has been a, a lot better. They're, they're now 15th in the NFL. Um, in terms of weighted DVOA defense, so uh, the last few weeks have been much, much better. So I think they cover here at home. I like Baltimore and the over. What have you got for us, uh, James? The two playoffs teams going head to head. I haven't got huge sort of play either side, but I think for Houston, the template here is their, their week six road win over KC, where it was able to produce 472 yards, still lost the turnover battle, but still won the game. Now, not taking anything away from Baltimore. They're the second-best team in the AFC. Brilliant squad. But I think at minimum, Watson Watson's brilliance and their attack allows that back door to stay open yeah. all match. Um, Texans have scored at least 23 in seven of their nine matches. And we know the Ravens' D isn't – it's not world, world-class yet, is it? Um, so for me, that stays open. Not sure if they can get the winner money line, but I think the plus four and a half, if, if, if – if, if, 
forced into a play. I really worry for the Texans' defense. If if Lamar Jackson plays three quarters as well as he did last week, and I know it was only the Bengals, but um, you know he is he is in elite elite form. Um, a couple of weeks ago, Russell Wilson was was the standout MVP candidate, but Lamar is is bridging that gap week by week. And this matchup of quarterbacks is is mouthwatering. It's really the future of of NFL quarterbacks. The, the two you know the prototype of the modern NFL quarterback. Um, and we've got it this week. It's, it's going to be amazing. I think there's going to be plenty of points in this game, um, and I really like the over 49. Uh, like I said, plenty of points. I think we mentioned earlier Minka Fitzpatrick for the Steelers, but as you mentioned, Josh, Marcus Peters has got to be one of the steals or, or the pickups of the season so far. Yeah, I just think he slots in well with what they got, and, and just they just needed something in, on that secondary because they're just getting absolutely historically torched in the first couple of weeks, and that's, I think, really weighed down their DVOA, and I feel like... A few more games like they have the last couple of weeks, I feel like their their defense will skyrocket, you know, much better and and start to get a lot better. So, um, especially with that middle linebacker as well, they're on the running game that they've been destroyed. But did Houston really have a great running game? I don't, I don't think so. Like Carlos Hyde's not what, scaring what was, me. What was his name again? That middle linebacker? Uh, Owanaswa. <laughs> I can't even. Uh, it, it's a tough one. I'm right. to, we'll take it. We'll take it. We'll um, take it. Yeah, he's a decent player. I mean, his PFF grade's pretty good. Um, <laughs> anyway. Um, New Orleans at Tampa Bay. Uh, New Orleans minus five on the road here. Total is 50. Uh, I like the under 50 here. I've been on the Bucks overs a lot lately. I think they've cashed the last couple of weeks. But this is a much tougher defense than their previous three games. This is, this is a different world here. Um, and year after year, these saints Buck totals are really, really high. But they rarely go over when it's in Tampa Bay. Um, the under is nine and two over their last eleven over the last eleven years when the Saints play in Tampa, um, and the Saints defense has been playing really well this year. I think they'll slow down Tampa enough to to get under the total. My only concern here, my only only concern is is who the hell on the Buccaneers is going to cover Michael Tom- Michael Thomas? The guy is unreal. Um, he's so smooth. Um, he I feel like he makes a toe drag swag catch every week. Um, he's he's phenomenal. So I'm going to go under. Uh, no real lean here on on the line. Um, the Bucks are kind of a classic backdoor team. I think they uh, actually lead the league in in uh, points scored in the final two minutes of each half. The Bucks, so kind of a weird backdoory team. Um, the Bucks. I'm going to pass. Interesting. Uh, I I quite like the um, the minus five Saints line. I think they they kind of disgraced themselves last week, um, which is not something that I'm used to saying about the New Orleans Saints, but something that I'm really used to saying after following St. Kilda in the AFL for, for 30, 30, 35 years. Um, but I, I think that these New Orleans Saints will be chomping at the bit to get at the Bucks um, and their 27th-ranked DVOA pass defense. I, th- I think this is set up perfectly for, for Breeze to hit Michael Thomas, as you said, a lot. Um, and, and it's actually one of one of the prop bets of the week. I think Michael Thomas, 11-plus receptions at, at $2.24. He's gone 10-plus in five of 10 games this season. And he's gone eleven and thirteen the last two weeks, and this this match is is perfectly placed for for Breeze and Thomas. Hmm. Couldn't agree more. And and no Vernon Hargraves to stop him either. So yeah, well, that, that kind of I think that kind of goes against Michael Thomas. But yeah, <laughs> that's it. No, I'm big on New Orleans here, guys, and there's a lot of trends or quite a few trends that I particularly like. So not only are Tampa terrible, we agree on that, but they're terrible ATS as well. They're two seven on the season. Um, which which is which is easily the worst mark in the league. So that's that's one factor. Now I think the Saints come out. I mean, this is one not 
back by. I think they're going to come out really angry and focused here. The number one seed up for grabs. They've got a great squad, both sides of the ball. I'm thinking last week was a bit of an aberration, which they're allowed one of those games a year because up until then, we know the Saints have probably been the toast of the NFC. Um, this decade, they're 16 games above 500 against the spread after a loss. So they're covering 55% of their matches after a loss. That's a top five mark in the league. One other factor is Drew Brees against the number 27 pass defense as well in a game where the Saints are going to need everything here. I think they're going to feast on Tampa. So it's a, it's a, it's a cover for me here mm. for New Orleans. Well, Drew Brees looked anemic against the 31st pass defense last week. <laughs> so who knows? At home too. Um, but yeah, different coming off the bye, the Falcons. Obviously, Tampa now, um, back to back home games. So, uh, a little bit, maybe a little bit restless, just like comfortable being at home the last couple of weeks. Maybe, maybe you're right. I, I don't know. I, something scares me about that number. It feels like a trap. Um, so, but like thinking trap about game that, of the week. Think, thinking about that trap. Thinking, <laughs> thinking about the bigger picture, though. They, you know, this is how competitive the NFC is. Hmm. One loss, and you're already lost. You know, you can quickly lose home field advantage and find yourself in a three or a four seed. Or in New Orleans' case, have Carolina breathing down your neck for the, for the division win. Yep. So no margin for error. Um, and I can't see him throwing two games like that in a row. Yeah. Well, the race the race for NFC seeding is is red hot with San Fran's yeah. schedule coming up and, and them losing that game at home against Seattle. Um, so, yeah, you're right. It, it, it is a fascinating race. So I think they win. I just don't know about the five. I just feel like that's a, mm. that's a trap. Um, let's move on to uh, probably the game of the week for me. Uh, New York Jets <laughs> at... Washington, Washington minus one and a half. The total is 38 and a half. And I'll tell you why it's the game of the week, because I have a play on this game. Uh, my name's Josh, and I'm betting on the Jets again. Last week, I bet on them, um, and they won outright. Uh, God bless their souls. Uh, but what, what do Washington like to do um, on offense under Bill, Ge- or under Bill Callahan, guys? They like to run the football a lot. I mean, they, their games are historically quick under Bill Callahan because they're just running out the clock till the end of the season at this point. Um, and what do the Jets do very well? I'll ask Nick this. What do the Jets do very well? Mm, they uh, stop the run. Yeah, they, they hold uh, Saquon Barkley to .007 yards per attempt um, on the ground there. So they completely rendered Saquon Barkley mm. useless last week. I love the Jets here. I think they slow down the run. I feel like they force Haskins to to throw the ball, and I doubt Haskins has gotten leaps and bounds better after the bye week. Um, I expect a lot of running the ball this week to no, to no success here by the Redskins. And, look, the Jets are number one in rush yards per rush allowed. They're number two in rush DVOA on defense. They'll slow them down. Um, their offense showed something, showed signs last week. They're were, they were quite resilient. They got out to a 14-0 lead, and then they let the Giants back into that game and found themselves down, and then they, they actually – did very, very well to, to climb back out and, and win that game and, and win win comfortably. Um, and the Redskins, they've lost eight straight home games now. They're, they've got a horrendous home field advantage. Give me the Jets plus one and a half. Um, if you want to make this game exciting, bet on it. <laughs> uh, Adam yeah. Gase is back next year. That's that's something. You the reckon? Jets are, oh, it's been confirmed. It's Has the, it? The, yeah, yeah. The top brass has come out like absolutely and said this is... He's there next year. Okay. So, well, is it like the, the dreaded vote of confidence? It, yeah. it, it did feel like a different kind it's of... It's the old report. double down that's not a double down. Like, we won't trade Odell Beckham. Like, six weeks later, Odell's traded. <laughs> no, this felt like one of those... Mm. It was like a real report. So. I reckon there's more likely Adam Gase wakes up with a horse's head in his bed at this point. <laughs> <laughs> it 
<laughs> Adrian Peterson's head. Yeah, maybe. So any any plays from you guys on this at all? I highly encourage not to watch or get involved in <laughs> Okay. Yeah, this is the worst match of the week okay. um, that we've ever discussed on this podcast. There's, guys, there's one word to describe it. It is gross. You guys, it is purely gross. You guys suck. <laughs> no, you <laughs> suck. Ordinarily, you can find a betting angle in a game like this, so that's not I just I just told you the betting like... angle. It's the Jets, baby. <laughs> yeah, J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Let's go. <laughs> All right, let's move on. No, no. <laughs> Dallas minus four and a half at Detroit. Um, that's a very questionable line. Only a couple of books up with that line. Um, a lot of places just still down. Uh, I just think... There's no total at all anywhere either. It's just really hard to judge this game with Stafford questionable at this point. Um, look, there's just such a big difference or a, a drop down between Stafford and Driscoll. I feel like this could be around a touchdown if it's confirmed to Driscoll. It could be six and a half or seven points in favor of the Cowboys, and then it could potentially go down to a field goal if it is Stafford. So I think the books are just sitting in that Vegas zone here and just hoping for a weird NFL game that falls between <laughs> four and the five points here. But, yeah, it's it's really hard to judge this team. But I'll, I'll say this. Guess which team has the highest percent of losses via blown leads this year? That's the Detroit Lions. Five out of five blown leads. Matthew Edward Effin Patricia, ladies and gentlemen. He is shocking. How can you trust the Lions? How can you trust them? I'm out on them. I'm done. I can't trust them. I can't trust Patricia. But at the same time, how can you trust this coaching staff of the Cowboys at home? Uh, not not at home, but they did this at home. Um, they failed to put the ball in their best players' hands in the most crucial of moments. They unnecessarily feed Zeke um, in in dire like in the key moments in this game. You're trying to establish the run with Zeke Elliott. It's just it seems <laughs> asinine to me. Until the Cowboys learn to trust Dak Prescott, I'm not trusting the Cowboys either. So I'm, I'm out on Matt Patricia. I'm out on the Cowboys coaching stuff. I'm out on this game. I'm done. Yeah, you, you've hit the nail on the head there, and you've, you've stolen my thunder because I was going to ask you guys what the one weak link of, of the Cowboys franchise was, and, and you've kind of hit it there. It's, it's the head coach. Um, I, I can see I was watching Twitter all weekend and through that last quarter. The clapper. Um, I, <laughs> um, you know, Cowboys fans hate Jason Garrett, and I I finally see it properly uh, off the back of that that game. Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper were having an elite type game. They were efficient and effective, and in those really important, you know, second, third down situations late in the fourth quarter, they just gave the ball to Zeke Elliott, who'd done nothing all game, averaging two point four yards per rush on twenty attempts, and he got nowhere. Every every time they gave him the ball, he was stuffed for either for a loss or you know. One yard, zero yards. It was it was so inefficient and it was difficult to watch. It was ugly. It was horrific play calling. But on the other hand, Detroit potentially without Matthew Stafford aren't really even worth discussing at all. So I'm still on Dallas minus three and a half here. Um, unfortunately. <laughs> so so the Cowboys are actually the number one DVOA offense in the league, despite the play calling, which probably speaks to how brilliant Dak is and the receiving core and the offensive line and, and the role Zeke plays within all of this. Yep. Um, and Dallas's losses have usually come against good defenses, such as, I guess, Minnesota, well, Minnesota last week who were able to put pressure. But what I'm trying to say is these kind of defenses like Detroit's, they won't scare them whatsoever ranked 25th overall, so the play calling won't get in the way here. Yep. One stat I really love this week is in the Dak-Zeke era, 
Cowboys are 18 and zip against bottom 10 DVOA units. 18 and zip. Wow. So this is Dallas in a must-win situation can still control their own destiny in the NFC East. The play calling, yes, has to improve. And, and so does the head coach and his annoying sort of just, just breaking from that guys. Like, you know, even Garrett with the one, one finger in the air after they score a touchdown, like a raving lunatic, you yeah. know, like, like thanks, it, mate. It's just, <laughs> could you, uh, not that we should compare everybody to Belichick, but could you imagine Belichick doing that? In those situations, we see Belichick working with his group, yeah. right? Ingrained, teaching, coaching. Hmm. Garrett's like this sort of glorified cheerleader on the side, like the clapper. That's what he is. Yeah, he's a cl- exactly. Can, yeah. can you imagine? Can you imagine a good coach leading that franchise? Or, yeah. Whether it's a Belichick or Sean McVay or even even a Doug Peterson or Frank Reich, like, mm. can you imagine how good they I, could be? I have a Sean McVay take later on. I'm not sure. But, he's, but, I'm not sure but, he's a good coach. Oh, interesting. Saucy. But just coming back to that, that that's that is saucy. But that's a really good point, Nick. I, I like that in terms of. This yeah. team. So is it a Jerry Jones? Like, how do we evaluate yeah. Jerry Jones? Because well, Romo should have, like, three rings at this point. Like, And I, I agree. It's like, there's stacks of the Rodgers is the same. Manning's the same. Like, if they had a good coach, like, even someone, like, three quarters close to Belichick, you, you win Super Bowls. And I feel like Dak has potential to win a Super Bowl here, and they're going to blow the window um, yep. because of Jason Garrett. Their commitment to Jason Garrett and their commitment to Zeke Elliott. This offseason was all Zeke Elliott, and they've done... Focus on Zeke Elliott. They feel like they paid him this money. We have to give him the ball. But but as a team, like they've collected and drafted really well over yeah. the entire decade. So I don't oh, yeah. know, like you know. I think Jerry Jones has sort of he's, he's put people in positions of power. He's, he's he has a lot of trust and faith in his hirings. Is this just one thing, one element he's getting wrong? Is it just this one area that needs changing, and then everything's going to be okay, and they'll start contesting Super Bowls or championships in the NFC? Yeah. It's it's, I, it's I, confounding. I one hundred percent think that that is that is the case. That that is the one weak link of this franchise. They've mm. had they've had one of, if not the best, offensive line in the NFL for close to a decade. As, as you said, and the, the way that they've drafted and um, you know recruited has been elite. Even the Amari Cooper trade, you know, they've yep. traded yeah, well as well. You know, yep. Absolutely, and, and Romo and and Des Bryant and you know that that offensive line that they had for for five or, or six seven years. For that period, that they should have won more, and they should have been in, in contention more often, mm. and they just weren't. Yep. Yeah, and that's when coaching matters. You, we, we were speaking before about Carolina or Christian McCaffrey coming one yard short, and Nick, you spoke to how even the NFL is, and and that's exactly right. That coaching is one, even if it's one percent, two percent, it's enough to have pushed Dallas over the edge. But in this case, it's just holding Dallas back, um, and it, yeah, it's 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 intriguing. Okay, let's uh, let's move on. I definitely agree. I mean, we could do a whole podcast on Dallas at this point. I feel like there's just so much, <laughs> so much politics and and going on behind the scenes there that, and, and we only know twenty percent of it, not even. Like it's just fascinating. Probably uh, don't want to know the other eighty. Yeah, we need a doctor. Yeah, definitely, definitely not. Um, <laughs> speaking of slimy uh, leaders, let's move on to the Colts and Jim Irsay. Um, Jacksonville at Indianapolis, uh, the Colts minus three at home. Total is 44. That line is again very similar to the Detroit one. Uh, Jacoby Brissett is questionable, um, as well. So well, let's be quick on this one. I'm going to go pass. All, all I want to say is I don't ever want to see, um, Brian Hoyer play football game for the rest of my life again. He's, he's so bad. He's awful. Send him and Adam Vinatieri to the glue factory already. Um, get out the white sheet. It's done. They're both done. Get rid of them. Frank Reich, 
That was his worst game as an NFL head coach last week. Completely botched the final drive and timeouts, um, and the like. And he, and he, he was he was pretty bad as a as a head coach, and he admitted that. So I do think um, he'll write the sh- he'll write those wrongs this week, especially if Brissett plays. I like the Colts, but um, with with so much unknown at this point, um, I'll move. My 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 one hot take is that the whole world will call for Minshew at the Jaguars lose this game, even if Foles plays outstanding. And uh, and they'll, or they'll play the Jags if they win. This is the whole quarterback wins narrative. So, um, but I'm going to pass. Uh, James, what have you got? Yeah, it's a pass for me. Really hard to evaluate with all the injuries and the uncertainty at quarterback. So I don't know about you, Nick. Yeah, pretty much exactly the same. It's it's really hard to get a read on on Indy. You can't touch this one in in good faith on on either side. But I think you're being a bit harsh on uh, on Vinatieri, Josh. I think at least. At least embalm him and put him in a glass case somewhere, and you know, well, not, not kick, the glue factory. Well, he kicks, he kicks bloody uh, fifty yarders in the snow to win the Pat Super Bowls, and then can't make an extra point in a dome for the Colts. I mean, no, nah, he he's, he's a he Hall of Famer and potentially the greatest ever. Just Justin Tucker's uh, the goat. Yeah, no, Justin you're Tucker's right. the goat. Let's let's move on. I, I love Justin. I love Justin Tucker, but you know, can 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 Vinny even ever. sing opera? Come on. <laughs> Arizona. Not sure, not sure that's a metric for the Hall of Fame. No, but. it is. It is. Um, Justin Tucker's going to be in both the Opera and the Football Hall of Fame at this point. Uh, Arizona at San Fran. San Fran minus 11 and a half, although that might have gone down now with the, the George Kittle news. I'll, I'll double check that. Uh, and it, it's, it's flat 11 now. The total is 45. Uh, pass for me. Like My numbers have this as a, a slight lean towards San Fran, but with, with Kittle out and um, the questionable tag on Emmanuel Sanders. I'm going to pass. It is. It, I'll say this: it is crazy to see how important Emmanuel Sanders is to this team already. How how big of a uh, difference he is already. Just such a reliable target and just such an incredible player. Even after this Achilles injury, it's 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 crazy. Look, Arizona have been much improved. They're a really fun team. They're still making a lot of rookie mistakes and and young team you know football mistakes. And and they'll get that. They'll they'll iron that out as a rookie head coach and quarterback. Eleven and a half is a lot of points, but. I don't know if this Cardinals D can trouble San Fran like Seattle did, um, especially on the road. So I'm, I'm going to pass on this one altogether. What have you got for us, Nick? I think, I think 11 and a half or, or 11 points is way too much to give to, you know, this defensive focus unit at San Francisco. Um, they're going to struggle to, to put up points that I, th- I think that they're, they're going to struggle. You know, they're missing their number one option, George Kittle, Sanders probably out, Matt Breda out, um, which limits their, their, already limited offensive options even more. And you, you speak to the reliability of Emmanuel Sanders. That, that's what he's been like his whole career, just super safe. Yep. Um, you know, if you, if you need, you know, you need that seven, eight-yard catch, um, look at look at Emmanuel Sanders. And yep. he's done that his entire career. And, and he's a big a big loss for them if, if, um, if he doesn't play, which he, he won't. Um, <laughs> there I, you go. I wanted to touch on, wanted to touch on Jimmy Garoppolo and – I thought that he's been kind of below average to average in terms of like competency all year. He's mm. certainly not elite, but he looked completely out of his depth at yeah. times last week in Seattle, yeah. especially, you know, over time when, when they were under pressure. Um, I haven't seen, I think with, with all this doubt around what this lineup looks like, um, there's a, a lot of prop markets that are still waiting to come out, but I'll be having a look at Tevin Coleman, you know, without Breda, without Sanders, uh, and without Kittle, that's probably their, their three top options on offense. Tevin Coleman's probably going to get the bulk of, of that action. 
Um, look for him in, in the prop markets and in DFS. I think it's going to be a really safe option. Yeah, I quite like the cards here. Uh, seven and three ATS on the season, which is the best mark in the league. And getting ten and a half against the San Francisco team, who started to look a little bit, little bit wobbly now, and probably not the, the cream of the NFC crop. I think that might have been shown up a little bit the other night, um, Monday night football, Tuesday our time rather. Yep. Um, now, that Sam, as we spoke about before, San Francisco can't continue to hide behind this running game. They're one, we're one and three against the spread when Garoppolo has had to throw it thirty times or more. So when you're putting in his hands, things get a little bit dicey. So we definitely. So from here on in, it's about teams who can take away that run threat. On the um on on the face of it, are the cards that kind of team to do that? They've given up at least one hundred yards in every single game this season, but only three times over one twenty. So they're not getting absolutely destroyed in that situation. These two met just a couple of weeks ago, San Francisco won by three points. Now, what has changed so much apart from the home field advantage that we're adding eight and a half onto that? Is, is, is Arizona dipped that much in two weeks or three weeks? And has San Francisco improved? We've mentioned all these injuries. Yeah. So how, how are we chucking on all those points at the end? So cards to cover for me and big long-term questions for San Francisco. Yeah, good points. Very good points. And completely, completely agree. Yeah, makes sense. A lot of sense when you break it down like that. Uh, Jimmy G, as you said, Nick, I mean, he looked completely out of his death. But if you go on Twitter, you know, QB wins. That's what, that's what you get quoted <laughs> with Jimmy Garoppolo. It's another it's, narrative. It's just ridiculous. I, I didn't. When you guys were talking about that earlier, I thought really great points by both of you, and it, it was making me think about baseball. Yeah. You know how baseball win 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 counts. They, they show nothing about run support, nothing yeah. about defense, yeah. Yeah, or different at all pitches like that. or whatever. Yeah, yeah I know. You, it's, you, it's or, crazy. or quality of opposition either, uh, like yeah. in weak divisions. A, a couple of weeks ago, they were like, "Oh, these you know these quarterbacks are you know combined twenty and two, and it was oh, Brady, yeah. um, Brissett, and Garoppolo," and I was like. They're three of the most mediocre quarterbacks this yeah. year. Like, please stop, like, thinking no, that no. these three QBs have carried teams. All right, anyway, yes. let's, let's move on. Cincinnati <laughs> at Oakland. Oakland minus 10.5. The total is 48.5. Be really quick on this on this one. Um, I'm a little bit worried about the line here with a little extra hook on the end at the 10.5, um, but I still lean, lean the Raiders to cover. It's just crazy to back the Raiders as double-digit faves, but I'd love the 9.5, but no chance it'll get there. Um, I like the Raiders team total here, over 29.5. I think they score 30 points here. Um, they, they boast one of the most efficient and balanced offenses in the NFL. They're fifth in DVOA, they're fourth ranked pass attacking DVOA, sixth ranked rush attacking DVOA. And this is funny as well. Derek Carr actually leads the entire NFL in third down passer rating, 138.1. He's got 10 touchdowns. And zero interceptions on third That's a down. Great stuff. Yeah, it's mm. crazy. So I think they, I think they easily get to thirty points here. I like the team total over, um, over twenty nine and a half. While it's under that thirty mark there, so that's where I'm going. Uh, what are you leaning, Nick? I'm leaning the Raiders at the ten and a half. I, I really don't want to. Um, you know, I've said all year that I don't like the Raiders. Um, I, I think that they're very limited. I, in fact, I think I used the word trash. A number of times. Apologize. Not, well, me too, I, as well. I will, if Nick has I will to apologize, I do too. <laughs> I will unreservedly apologize because they're clearly not trash, but yep. I still don't think that they're very good. Um, but that line, hey, they're in the playoff I, I race. Hey, I, I think they'll win this. And like I said, I'm leaning. I'm yeah. leaning to that really high line, and I think it is a really high line. Credit, credit where it's due. They've been getting it done. 
So, I, yeah, I, I'm leaning it. I'm just – I'm not confident. <laughs> in, in, interestingly, um, before that Monday night football extravaganza and that beauty of the match between San Francisco and Seattle, one of my – I was thinking that I'd go with my big theme of the week was Oakland are going to make the playoffs. Like, this is, actually, yeah. this is actually going to happen. Five <laughs> and four at the moment. Bengals and the Jets in the next two games. So that's seven and four. They've still got Tennessee and Jackson coming, Jacksonville coming into home. That's probably nine and four. They can pinch one of those last games, be it against the Chargers or the Broncos or the Chiefs, and that's ten. Ten gets you in in the AFC, guaranteed. Nine probably does as well, and they hold a tiebreaker against Indianapolis if it was to come to that. Yep. So, yeah, we're not blown away by the talent. It's still young and it's emerging. But, yeah, I'm with Nick. A bit of an apology there for the for, for the Raiders. Yeah. We might do, a, do an apologies section at the end of the year in Week 17 because <laughs> I think you guys will apologize to the Raiders. I'm going to probably have to apologize to the Texans, unfortunately. Um, so, yeah, we might have to do one at the end of the year. That's a great this, segment this, idea. I, I think there's a step eight in Gambles Anonymous, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is, eventually. <laughs> mass, mass apology yeah. session. So, bring, and, we and can bring all our families in. Yeah. Josh is going to crucify the Lions as well after being yeah, on the mate, uh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, Matt Patricia can apologize to me um, at this <laughs> yeah. point. Yeah, we'll get what's him the on. Opposite of, <laughs> what's the opposite of an apology? Uh, I don't know. Doubling down. Who knows? I, 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 I don't know. We need to look that up. Um, we might if you look. do get to, to meet Matt Patricia, can you rip that pencil out of his out of his ear yeah. and that laminated thing he carries? You can't write on a laminated sheet with a pencil. I've it's, said this a thousand it, times it, it last season. Drives me yeah, yeah. It looks like it a is. smurf. Like it's ridiculous. If, if you meet Matt Patricia, you have to call him to his face, yeah. Matthew Edward Effin Patricia. Yeah, I will. I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. Um, the, the funny thing um, in terms of I, – I know you guys probably quite like Mike Lombardi, who used to work for the Patriots. Uh, and does his podcast not really, like, but yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of I do, and he has this sort of special connection with the Patriots. Yet in a podcast recently, it was like he kind of called out Matt Patricia's health. Yeah, it was okay. like, this guy does not look good. You know? like, <laughs> and he goes, I know Matt, and Matt has sort of sunk and sunk and sunk. Oh, boy. My favourite – yeah. My favorite Lombardi moment is when he got called out by Jason Kelsey at the parade. That's my favorite Lombardi moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's my favorite. Great moment. moment. Yeah, Great it was. Moment. All right, let's, let's move on before we uh, run out of time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're all kind of on the Raiders here. And you're right, they do own the tiebreaker over the Colts. The Colts, funnily enough, the two teams they're vying for that last playoff spot with, they've lost tiebreakers against the Steelers and the Raiders, which maybe long-term Chris Ballard being a wizard. Um, that's great. You know, it's close enough to make the playoffs, but not quite. You lose on a tiebreaker, better draft pick. Who knows? Um, let's go. Uh, New England at Philadelphia. <laughs> Total is 44.5. New England minus 3.5 here on the road. This is a clear pass for me. Uh, you think I'd have a novel written about this game. I don't. I'm just keen to watch it. Um, for me, my, my one thing is over under. How many times do we hear the word Philly special said during the broadcast? <laughs> um, I say over under 37.5 times. <laughs> I, I just want to see. I'll, you know, you, you guys know me. I'll be watching this game from yeah. start to finish. But I'm expecting that that highlight clip of Nick Foles going, "You want to go Philly, Philly? Yeah. You want to go Philly, Philly? Yeah. Um, I'm expecting that at least eight times. So uh, this this game is obviously a pass for me as, as usual. There are so many narratives for this game, and I have such little confidence that I don't want to talk about it. Yep. This one is a total watch and enjoy for me, but there's one stat that really stands out if, if, if you want to have a play on it. Pats are a ridiculous 40 and 16 ATS after a loss 
over the last 15 years. So they're covering at a 71.4% clip. Yeah. It's- that, and that's a, I think it's about 10 or 11 percentage points further yeah. than the next team as well. So this is Belichick not happy. You know, yeah, exactly. In terms of making mm-hmm. those sort of adjustments after a loss. So not only would that speak to the money line, you could take the money line there, but yeah, take the three and a half and you're in a, in a nice little situation. But yeah, huge game. Massive for, for Philly as well because they can, you know, we keep on talking about this juggling race in the NFC. You could make the argument Philly, they would have beat the Patriots here. Why not them? Yeah, Why? exactly. That's and their how, division race how, is red hot. And that's, it comes back to Nick Singh, you know, in terms of, you know, how great is the NFL? Seriously, how good is this conference? Yep. Philly win, this would be about the eighth or ninth team this year. We've said, wow, they're amazing. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's going to be so enjoyable. I've got, got another stat to, to link up to your 40 and 16 against the spread. Bill Belichick sleeps approximately zero hours after a loss until his next yeah. win. Yeah. It's, it's staggering. He doesn't sleep until he wins again. So if, he, if they I, lose my, in the sleep, Super Bowl, he doesn't sleep until they win a preseason game. My only retort to that, Josh, is I don't think Belichick sleeps when they win either. Like, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think he sleeps. He's so prepared. Yeah. He's just yeah, here. There's one photo of proof that he actually has slept in his life. Um, there's a photo he fell asleep on a ferry um, with his with his wife. That was that was it. But was maybe it was that, just like, oh, I don't have internet access. I can't do any work. I'll, I'll just, I may as well just try this sleep thing that you humans <laughs> ravel on about. So I may as well just the, give it a go. The, the beautiful thing about Belichick is when he does sleep, it's actually during the trade period. He has that much disdain for that kind of, not so much the trade, it's a free agency period rather, yeah. about the kind of money and overinflated yeah, the, the first prices. week of the free yeah, yeah. He, he just sits back and, and that's his one time to relax yeah. and watches the other 31 teams make idiotic decisions. Yep. And then he comes in and steps in and picks up the drabs. So exactly. Speaking of idiotic, master. Speaking of idiotic decisions, yeah. we've got a couple here in this next game. Chicago at L.A. Uh, the Rams, six-and-a-half-point favorites at home. The total is, well, it was 42 yesterday. It's now 40-and-a-half, so it's gone. Um, I'm glad I grabbed the under, which is where I'm at here. I still like the under at 40-and-a-half. Both defenses are in the top five in DVOA, while both offenses have struggled in recent weeks. LA um, have, have been able to do nothing against other top defenses like San Francisco and, and Pittsburgh. While the Bears have managed 300 yards of offense just once this season, and they only scored 16 points in that game, um, the Rams are also dealing with O-line issues. Their uh, starting center ruled out for the season as well, which will make it tougher to stop the Bears' pass rush when they're going to have to throw the ball. The only way I think this undergoes over is if the defenses make multiple trips to the end zone, which we still saw in the the Pittsburgh Rams game, and the un- and the game still went under um, as well. Um, for me, I'll, I'll be brief just because we've had some really big discussions about other teams and we're, we're running a bit behind for time, but maybe next week might be the time to talk about it. When do we have the conversation about the Rams' you know, phil- uh, philosophical situation here? It's, it's looking very grim. They've tied themselves to Goff and Gurley on big contracts. They've traded for, for players and, and dealt future first-round picks and all sorts. They're in a hugely disgusting cap situation. And Jared Goff is is unraveling before our very eyes here. I, I I just don't know what the long term plan is for the Rams. Maybe next week would be the team will be the time to talk about it. Um, but I like the under here. I don't want to touch the line. Uh, what have you got, Nick? I don't want to touch any of it. But just on that that point about the uh, about Jared Goff unraveling, I think the entire Rams offense has unraveled, yeah. and they're becoming nearly as unwatchable on offense as as the Bears. And we know how bad they've been this yeah. season. Um, you know. Todd Gurley is a shadow of the, the guy that scored a billion touchdowns in his first couple of years. 
Um, they're missing Brandon Cooks, obviously. Who knows when, if he'll be back. Uh, Robert Woods is certainly not the player he was last season. Um, you know, they're, they're just, they're a different unit. And I don't know where it's gone wrong. And, and I'm not sure any of us thought that, that we'd be saying that at, you know, week 11 of, of the season. So for me, yeah, that, that, if we do sort of talk about that another time in terms of the golf aspect or the whole direction of Rams, that's going to be a fascinating debate as much as Dallas's, to be honest. Yep. But in terms of this context, as you guys have probably noticed over the last few, I still believe in this Bears D, and especially in the context of covering a line like six and a half against that Rams offense. It's kind of like the, the opposite of that backdoor cover in terms of the, the the Bears can sort of rip a big turnover away. And last week they played for a very rare time turnover free football. I think they can cover here six and a half. Yep. Rams are yeah, really struggling. So yeah. All right, before, That's best for me. Yeah, before we move on to the last game, I just want to say Sean McVay, it's supposed to be this, you know, generational coach, the next Belichick. He's he's been he was exposed against Belichick in the Super Bowl and he's done nothing since. He's supposed to be this offensive mastermind. I know Goff is struggling and the O-line is struggling, but can't you scheme and and make things work despite all that? Andy Reid's been doing it for years and years and years. I know he's never won a Super Bowl or, or anything like that, but he's at least still put put his quarterback in favorable favorable positions. McVay needs to change things up here and get the job done for the Rams because it's not coming anywhere else. So it needs to come from McVay. No argument, but this is a third-year coach who's done amazing things in those first two and is having a rough year yep. and who's really been hurt by that offensive line breakdown and the running game particularly, which allowed all that play action. So I, I, know, we, I know what you mean, Josh, but yep. I just want to go a bit easier on McVay. Fair enough. I, I understand. I, Give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. I feel like you know, Belichick has this this way of pulling the pants down on, on coaches and on teams that, that he beats in Super Bowls. And you look at what's happened to Atlanta over the last yeah. few years. It, it seems it's a very similar feeling about what's happening in, in L.A. Yeah, kind of makes yeah. Belichick just seem so much just just the most unstoppable thing in football, in world sport. It's quite well, phenomenal. Goliath. Really. Even, if, even Goliath. if you think about remember the Panthers played the Patriots in the Super Bowl and then went about that 10-year oblivion post-Jake yep. Dallome and yep. there was another sort of pouncing. Mm. And Philly were never the same after their, their loss as well. That's yep. true. That, that long, that go. So maybe it is something. It is. It's crazy. <laughs> All right, it's last the last game of the week in Mexico, in Mexico City, Kansas City minus four versus the Los Angeles Chargers. The total is fifty two and a half. Love. I'm loving this game. I love the Mexico City games. Love Mexico. Just love Guzman. Guzmani Gomez, shout out to my guys at Guzman. Uh, we have a really good relationship with Guzman. Um, Kansas City minus four is my pick this week. Uh, yeah, I just look. Last week was a vintage Andy Reid botch game. He does it all the time. He always seems to do it against the Titans. He did it in the playoffs. Remember against Mike Malarkey's Mariota Titans a couple of years ago. But you're up five with a minute thirty six to go on the Tennessee thirty two. Um, it's third and two. 99 out of 100 times, they either get the first down or they at least execute the field goal properly and go up by eight. Force Tennessee to score and get the two-point conversion. 99 out of 100 times, they win that game. However, this loss now gives us great value here the following week. And and it wasn't Mahomes being bad either. Mahomes and the, and the Chiefs offense picked up right where they left off on a neutral field in the high altitude. I think Kansas City lights it up against this Chargers Defense, they play really well in high altitude when they go to mile high. The, the Chiefs are a lot better than the, the, the Chargers have done. So I definitely think that's an advantage. Um, I know it's a tiny, 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 tiny sample size, but only three games in Mexico City, but the favorite has won 
by an average margin of 16.3 points per game. So I'm going to take the Chiefs here. I've said it all season, um, and I've generally been wrong on it, but I'm going to go again. Um, neutral ground, you go with the quality, and that's the Chiefs, and it's Patrick Mahomes. He, he still doesn't quite look like himself. He's not back to his MVP form, but you know he's, he's had another opportunity to get some, some miles in the legs, another week to build. Uh, and the charges are officially bad now. Um, I, I had to stream Philip Rivers in fantasy last week because I had Deshaun Watson in, in a couple of teams, and obviously they had the bye. Um, within three seconds of that game starting, I regretted it, um, yeah. and that may have been Philip Rivers' worst ever career game. Mm. Um, I, I don't think he'll be as bad as that again this week, but I just can't go near the charges at all, and uh, Chiefs to cover. Terrible, terrible charges. D coming up against a desperate KC with Patrick Mahomes rounding into sort of MVP form, if you like. Charges eighty-five missed tackles on the season, and in the in the interest of Mexico City, that's not bueno. No bueno. Um, <laughs> Love it. Um, against uh, against a Chiefs team, mind you, who has three hundred and forty-five more yak yards than any other team in the competition. Mm. So this is a team that gets out in the open against a team who can't tackle which is a horrible situation, obviously. Now, Chiefs under Andy Reid are 73-40 and 40 straight up after a loss. So 33 games above 500, which is the third best mark in the NFL um, in, in that since Reid took over at the Chiefs. So they, they respond really well after a loss because he's such a good coach with a good team. Uh, number five, DVOA. Actually, Kansas City, as we spoke about last week, actually pretty good against the pass from a DVOA perspective. And as Nick said with Philip Rivers, this is a guy who's in, I don't think I've ever seen Rivers in more of a slump. Uh, multiple interceptions in four of his last six games. Mm. And, and just looking nothing like the kind of guy who charges everybody back and rallies around them. So all of these points to me for a Chiefs win, and they want to get that three seed or two seed as well. So yeah, I yeah, mean, as, big, a big as a Rivers fan and a Rivers apologist, yeah, I can't defend the last couple of weeks. I feel like maybe mm. these tough, tough charges losses where he's been good and, and they've lost from bad goal line stuff, you know, the, the Melvin Gordon fumble against the Titans and, and, you know, those type of losses that they've had and missed field goals and things, they might have finally broken the man. Um, he might just be broken here at this point. And now after that uh, sort of ugly affair, you've got to travel into into Mexico and take on, uh, you know, this offense with so much speed. Um, the missed tackles thing is just such a good point, um, James. I think that's just is perfect with the amount of yak and, um, with yeah, Watkins and, and, and Tyreek Hill and Mikael Hardman as well. It's just it's speed on speed on speed on speed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's going to run rings around the charges, I reckon. Uh, yep. Yeah. Um, lock of the week, Nick. I feel like Kansas City is is we're all on board here. I think it's just the way to go. Yeah, I think it was a fairly easy decision this week. Yep. So there we are. Kansas City minus four is the lock of the week as we get back into. Winning ways, buy yourself a uh, burrito with your winnings uh, there to celebrate the Mexico City game. Spicy pork, that's the way to go. All right, let's talk best bets and long shot this week. Uh, we'll start with James. What's your best bets here and long shot for us? Yeah, really like New Orleans to cover that that five-point margin. Denver plus 10.5 as well. And for a third thing, maybe even throw in a multi, uh, money line parlay with Dallas and KC. And that'll give you two dollars fifteen. Mm. And from a long shot perspective, just Seahawks nine bucks NFC. Um, if you're sort of still tailoring a book there, definitely have that in there. Sell out some other stock if you need to. And 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 oh, and they're three fifty for the division as well. Must say that. Must reiterate. Seahawks are three dollars fifty to win the NFC West. Please get involved. I, I think I prefer that. 
Mark. Yeah, yeah. No. Just because I got to play the the 49ers again, I, I definitely think that's probably the the better of the I two, agree. just personally for me. I agree. And then yep. the other thing will take care of its stuff, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, Nick, what have you got for us? That might have been the first uh, first parlay of the the season on the podcast. I, I like it. Yeah. Um, uh, best bets: Houston, Baltimore over forty nine. Uh, the Chiefs minus four. New Orleans minus five, and long shot as I said before, Michael Thomas eleven plus receptions uh, at about two dollars thirty or so. Okay, I like it. Uh, my best bet this week: Kansas City minus four. I obviously put that before the lock of the week, so I'm sorry to double up there a little bit, but uh, Kansas City minus four is my best bet. I like under forty and a half in the Chicago LA game. Um, I took the forty two yesterday, but yeah, I still think forty and a half. I, I just think it's going to be a, a real ugly game. Uh, between those two. And I like the Oakland Raiders, the team total, over 29.5 points. I think that's the first team total uh, play of the year. Uh, I think they put up 30 against the hapless Bengals defense. My long shot, um, and I think it relates to Oakland scoring a lot of points, Josh Jacobs, 125-plus rushing yards at 350. Um, I think he's probably the offensive rookie of the year front runner now, and I think he just keeps on running, and uh, I think 350 is a pretty juicy price there. All right, no Daz this week to talk SI model. He's a man of, uh, you know, very busy man, really. He's a man of many, uh, many meetings, is what I was trying to say. Um, and he's off, uh, off today, but uh, luckily Nick, uh, has, uh, got the model's, uh, best bets and long shot for us this week. It's worth noting, I think two and one, uh, last week, uh, with the, sorry, it was one and two, but, uh, the, the long shot, the Pittsburgh money line got up for, for the Stats Insider model and it was a man versus machine play. Um, with the machine owning all of us uh, last week, so a pretty pretty good uh, week last week for the model. I think because Pittsburgh were paying about two sixty uh, there, so it was a pretty pretty good result for the model on the podcast. Um, Daz will give us updated sort of season long figures for the model overall um, next week if he if he isn't too busy. But we'll get some updated results for the season for the model as we said we, it does update through the week. But as of Thursday Thursday afternoon, what's the best bets for the model? Um, in week 11 of the National Football League. Yeah, it's a couple, couple of juicy ones. We've got Tampa Bay line plus five and a half, which is a, a 15% green play. Uh, That's massive. It's a, it's a bit juicy. It is massive. It goes against a, a few of us who, who went. Uh, I told you it was a trap game. Minus five you. and a half. Yeah, yeah. yeah we'll go. We'll have, to, we'll have to drop that Star Wars line in somewhere, surely. <laughs> um, Stop creating work for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, Second one is Eagles plus three and a half, nine percent green play, which personally I don't mind. I, I like pleases, seeing that from the model. Pleases you, yeah. It, it does please me. It makes me a little bit nervous, but it, it pleases me. Um, and the third one, Jets money line, eight yes. percent orange play. Um, All aboard. Yeah, which I thought you thought you might be on board that one. Yep, go gang, go gang green. It's uh, and the, the longs. Yeah, the long shot, which I think you might be uh, interested in as well, and I'm sure you'll have something to say about it. Tampa Bay money line, ten percent orange, uh, takes them to. I think on the the site before, just before recording, had them at about a forty-two percent chance to win the to win the game. Wow, that's a that's a massive massive percent there for the money line. I told you it was my trap game of the week, um, but I also it is worth mentioning Saints Bucks last year, week one, Fitz Magic game, the model. I remember uh, Wood and I talking to Daryl. About uh, the model's best play was was Tampa Bay, and we thought that he was insane. And we're like, who who is this guy on this podcast talking about Tampa Bay beating the 
beating the Saints, who we thought we, we both had making the Super Bowl. And funnily enough, Tampa Bay lobbed and, and Fitzmagic was born. And, uh, yeah, it's interesting that uh, we've come full circle here um, just a year and yeah, year and a half later nearly. So uh, it's uh, the circle of circle of life. Or, or the more things change, the more they stay the same, really. Uh, well, the more yeah. you know about it, the less you know about it. Exactly. I think that's a great way to end as I open the show <laughs> saying that. So, uh, yeah, Tampa Bay Moneyline, the, the long shot of the week for the Stats Insider model. Um, as, I, as I always say every week, check out Stats Insider. .com.au for all the NFL plays, all college football plays, a whole heap of other sport as well, NBA, uh, and I think some horse racing, although that's probably ended now with Spring Carnival just wrapping up. Yeah, European soccer. Um, Beautiful. Have the, the Big Bash cricket coming soon. Yep. Uh, there's a whole lot, whole lot. Yeah. NBA, um, college basketball's coming soon. Yep. There's, there's a whole lot. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Check out statsinsider.com.au. Check out them on Twitter as well, statsinsider.com. And you can follow us on Twitter as well, at WootNY. That wraps up the show for another week. Uh, gamble responsibly. Enjoy week 11. And as Nick touched on last week, we'll be back next week for a massive, massive week 12. Week 12 is massive when you look ahead at the schedule. So we're looking forward to a massive show next week. And uh, until next time, cheers.